the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, in the collect of today's Mass, the priest prays, Let thy continual pity, O Lord, cleanse and defend thy church, and because it cannot continue in safety without thee, may it ever be governed by thy goodness. In the midst of the turmoil, suffering, and scandal that our Holy Mother, the Catholic Church, is undergoing, this seems to me to be a good prayer to repeat again and again. How easily are we discouraged by the failings of our shepherds and those appointed over us? How easily we forget our duty to pray and sacrifice so that they might receive the necessary graces to persevere faithfully in the accomplishment of the duties of their state in life. The Church, immaculate and spotless in her essence, is yet sinful and weak in her members. What a paradox and what a mystery. And yet, If we look at the story of Christ's passion, told to us by the Holy Gospels, we see many parallels with the sufferings and trials of the Church throughout the centuries and down to our very own times. In Matthew 10, verses 2 to 4, we have a list of the twelve apostles chosen by Christ. Judas Iscariot is already in that list designated as he who betrayed him, not simply because the Gospel was written after the fact, but also, more importantly, to show us that our Lord knew what he was doing when he chose Judas as an apostle. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Most Holy Trinity made man, knew all things. He knew that Judas would be an unfaithful apostle, first by his dishonesty in keeping the purse containing the money necessary for the sustenance of our Lord and his apostles. St. John tells us that he was a thief, he stole from that, that purse. And secondly, by his betrayal of Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And yet our Lord still chose him, despite knowing this, as an apostle, one of his special friends and first bishops entrusted to him with the care of evangelization. Why was this? Could not our Lord have chosen someone a little worthier, a little more worthy? That's something we ask ourselves today, too. Could not our Lord have chosen, we think, among our shepherds, someone a little more worthy. But yet, there would seem to be several reasons that our Lord chose Judas. The most important being that God never forces us to love him, but leaves us the liberty to choose between true freedom in doing his will or slavery to the devil in sin. So, a point that we need to remind ourselves, God's omniscience, the fact that he knows all things, is not the cause of sin. Is not the cause of sin. What is the cause of sin? Our deficient wills. Simply because God knows uh, we are going to choose to do something evil does not mean he is responsible for it. He gave us freedom to choose to do what is good. And the, uh, the defect or the failure comes only from our will. It cannot come from God. Judas Iscariot did not have to betray our Lord. He made the choice to do so, and yet, even after that, our Lord still wished to forgive him. We see this beautifully and symbolically shown in Mel Gibson's movie, The Passion of the Christ, when our Lord is taken into custody by the temple guards in the Garden of Gethsemane, that whole tumultuous scene. Judas betrays our Lord by a kiss, and after a gentle reproach, while the soldiers subdue the other apostles, Jesus never, during that scene, never stops looking at Judas with a look of grace, a look of gentle reproach 
seeking to touch his soul with the gift of repentance. And we see the same scene played out again in parallel when Peter denies that he knows Christ and know not the man. And then, as St. Luke tells us in his gospel, Jesus looked upon him. That is how close they were. We often get the sense, if we just read the other gospels, that Peter was outside, away from our Lord. But he was close enough to see Jesus as he was denying him. They were within sight of each other. Peter knew that here was his master, the one who had seen perform countless miracles of healing the sick, multiplying the loaves and fishes, calming the tempest, raising the dead, as we read in today's gospel. And still Peter denied our Lord because he feared for his life and depended too much on his own strength. Yet his heart was not closed to God's grace. And after our Lord's gentle look of reproach, full of mercy and love, Peter was touched and going out, wept bitterly over his sin. These two examples help us to understand that the free will that God has given to us all, and especially to those in positions of authority, can be abused. But of course, it can also and should be used for good. These examples also encourage us to pray even more for our shepherds, for without God's grace they cannot remain faithful and will betray their master, as did Judas Iscariot, and does as does each one of us each time we sin. And we can, we can see this in the, in the Holy Epistle um, today when St. Paul talks about being humble, uh, those who us, of us who are spiritual, if we can even consider ourselves such, instruct one who errs in a spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, Whereas he is nothing, he deceives himself. One of the conditions for remaining in the truth, for remaining in the good path, is the virtue of humility, realizing that anything good in us comes from God. Pride goeth before the fall. And even if God has blessed us to remain faithful, and we hope, we hope he has, faithful to the everlasting truths that Holy Mother Church teaches us and continues to teach us, yet let us not be puffed up, but simply grateful, grateful that God has given us this grace and renew our fidelity to him in a spirit of humility. We must never lose a supernatural outlook on all that happens. God never wills positively that sin happen. Sin is the turning away of the created will from its final end, God himself, And God cannot will an offense against himself because he's pure and absolute goodness. God only permits sin so that he might draw a greater good from it. Peter's sin and denial had the advantage of teaching him humility and confidence in God, not in his own strength. The sins of betrayal committed by the shepherds of the church will have the advantage of allowing the cleansing of the church in her members to take place sooner, please God. They will also have the advantage of making our acts of faith in her divine foundation more meritorious and heroic. It was easy for St. John to love our Lord on Mount Tabor during the Transfiguration, but so much better for him, as St. Francis de Sales remind us, so much better for him and more pleasing to our Lord to love him bloodily nailed to the cross and dying for us on Mount Calvary. Dear faithful, let us then make the resolution to pray ever more fervently for our Holy Mother, the Church, and for our shepherds, that God may send us holy ones to lead us in the way of salvation. 
Let today's collect be our constant prayer. Let thy continual pity, O Lord, cleanse and defend thy church, because it cannot continue in safety without thee. May it ever be governed by thy goodness. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.